Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. Let's hear about this episode's topic. My name is Michelle, and I have a 22-month-old, and my question is about seeing the pediatrician, and, you know, she's getting to the age where she associates the pediatrician with shots, and I'm wondering what I can do to make her feel more comfortable when we do have to visit the pediatrician. What a great, great question. Today, we're going to talk all about preparing children for medical procedures and office visits and really anxiety-producing things. And we want to talk about why kids develop this intense fear and some tricks that we as medical providers and parents can use to help lessen their anxiety. And because we know that pediatrics spans such a huge range of developmental stages and ages from newborns and infants all the way up to teens, we're going to talk about specific strategies for each age group. And for today's podcast, we want to welcome a guest, Dr. Sherry Jinwala. She's a pediatric hospitalist who specializes in palliative care. She's on a team who recently launched a new collaborative pediatric pain medicine clinic here at UC Davis Children's Hospital. Dr. Jinwala, thank you so much for joining us today. We really value your expertise and look forward to the information that you can provide to us and our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be able to talk about this really important topic that affects all of us. Yes, definitely. It's such an important topic and one that we as pediatricians definitely need to learn more about. So I want to start the discussion with preparing kids for medical visits. So most commonly, at least I think about the immunization visit. So the well child check and kids really of all ages, but you specifically think about some of those younger kids just grow to dread that visit and are just so anxious surrounding these immunizations and just all they can do when they think of their pediatrician is think about shots. So what in your experience, can we do to make this experience less scary for kids? I think one of the things to remember is that it's pretty normal for people and children to to feel pain when they get painful procedures done, and, and that's okay. And crying and, and sort of not wanting to do that, that's okay too. I think from our perspective, what we can do to help the parents, give them some tools to help their children cope with the immunizations and the painful procedures themselves, and also to allow the children to perhaps have some choices depending on the age of the child. So, for instance, um, some of the tools that parents can use themselves are some comfort holding positions, which might include, you know, having the child sit on their lap and cuddle them for little infants, sometimes breastfeeding uh, or just sort of swaddling and cuddling them with just leaving the arm or the leg where you're going to give the immunization exposed. That can be really helpful. 
for older children, sort of giving them choices about, you know, do you want your immunization on the left or the right? And then offering them choices about distraction techniques that they can use, for instance, blowing bubbles or blowing a pinwheel. Those are things that can help uh, the children and the families. I think it's important as well for us all as medical providers to have patience and, you know, be okay with the kiddo who's who's just wiggling and doesn't really want to do it and allow the parent to have the time to be able to calm their child and put them in in the comfort position and that sort of thing. Yeah, I love the idea of breastfeeding because it's not something that we commonly think to suggest or allow, but we know how comforting that is for young infants that do breastfeed. And so I think that is something that I'll take back and recommend or suggest to to parents if they want to breastfeed during the immunization as long as it is a safe environment. I think one of the older things that many of us have learned is is to um, hold the child down um, and give them their immunizations quickly. But we have learned through research and also just child development and, and that sort of thing that those techniques are not helpful and actually increase the child's anxiety. And so trying to comfort them as much as possible is what's helpful. So you mentioned a lot of good strategies, but I would like to focus on immunizations because they really are the cornerstone of preventative pediatrics. And <laughs> Says the infectious disease doctor. <laughs> well, yes. And, uh, you know, we have the immunization schedule and that kind of drives the routine well-child um, visit, especially early on in life. So how can parents really talk to the children to prepare them for something like a, a shot beforehand? So the expectations are real, but it doesn't scare the child, but we're not lying to the children either. I think it's important to be honest with the children about what to expect from their visit. I know this is not done frequently in um, pediatric visits, but sometimes um, you know, allowing the child to get the immunization out of the way ahead of time if they're particularly anxious may also be a creative way to to sort of just take care of that because some children just are so focused on that that, you know, their anxiety through the visit becomes a big deal. I think parents, you know, being honest, but also very matter of fact um, about the fact that they're getting Im- the children are going to get immunizations is important. One of the things that I often suggest to families, because I've had experiences where families have said, you know, used immunizations or shots or the doctor's visit as sometimes a threat for the children. So I often tell families not to use that because we really want that to be a safe place. And immunizations is just a part of that. And so helping our families understand that this is just a part of what routine well child care is and how important it is for their child's health. And so for them to talk to their children about it that way. I think that's a great idea. One really nice thing, we're recording this during influenza season. And so one thing that I've seen that I really love is that the whole family will come in together to get their flu shot. It was just to kind of normalize it like, oh, we're all going together. We all love getting shots. We're all going to go out and do something special after this. And so it doesn't make it seem like this is like something that just the child has to do or it's a punishment. It's like, no, we all do this to protect ourselves, to protect our loved ones. That has been a really nice thing that I've seen some parents do as well. 
So we've discussed immunizations. Most kids will get them. Most kids will do fine with a little parent coaching, with maybe making some modifications in the exam room that we discussed. But then there are some scarier things that kids are going to have to go through. It might be a trip to the emergency room for stitches. It might be getting admitted to the hospital and getting an IV. These are bigger experiences that most kids won't have to deal with very much, but can be really um, life-altering for, you know, maybe the biggest thing that this four-year-old has experienced in their little life. So how can we help kids in these experiences? I think once again, before coming to the emergency department or before having procedures, giving the parent information that allows them to then talk to their children about what to expect is really important. And then in addition to that, I think parents can be really good advocates for their children. And so when they take their child to their emergency department for stitches or other things, or they might need an IV or labs or those kinds of things, parents can then advocate for their child to be placed in comfort positions or to allow them to breastfeed their child when they're getting the IV placed or those kinds of things so that all of those things can help their children um, through those processes. I think as scary it is, as it is for the child, it's also a very scary process for the parent. And so acknowledging that for themselves is really important and making sure that they realize, you know, the stress and anxiety they're feeling and, and try to sort of find ways to just reduce that stress so that, you know, when they're in there with their child, they can help be a calming presence for the child also uh, can be very important. Yeah, at many children's hospitals, including UC Davis, um, there are child life specialists, and these are healthcare personnel who help children cope with medical procedures. Can you tell us a little bit more about their role and how they do their work? Child life specialists have special training in childhood development. I think they are one of the most integral parts of our team. They play a very, very important role in helping children deal with medical things that could be in the emergency department, in the outpatient setting, wherever they are, they'll help children cope with what's happening to them. In On the inpatient setting, where I practice the most, the child life specialists are indispensable because they help the children understand what's happening to them. They will potentially go through exactly what the procedures are that the child will go through, what it will look like, what it might sound like. They also help the children to understand their illness using developmentally appropriate language and also using other tools like toys and dolls and things like that to help the children um, uh, with that. I can recall a particular instance where um, a child was really struggling because they had they had to have an amputation from um, a an accident, a motor vehicle accident that they were in. And this child really enjoyed superheroes. And so the child life specialist was able to create a superhero for this patient that had an injury or an amputation very similar to the patient so that he could then identify and also use that superhero to really sort of say, this is where it hurts, this is where it bothers me, without having to do it on his own body. 
And it really was very helpful and empowering for this patient. Yeah, they're really extraordinarily creative. And in addition to the tools that you mentioned, I mean, I know that our child life specialists also include um, music therapists, um, and then they they do um, Reiki also. Mm -hmm. Which is a type of massage that can be helpful so that any parent that has had a child admitted to a children's hospital no doubt knows the names of the child life specialists that worked with them. They usually Mm -hmm. are wearing purple or pink sweaters and Mm -hmm. are just completely invaluable. And so we love them for everything that they do to help us at the hospital. Yeah, so we always touch on development in this podcast, and it seems obvious that different ages and developmental stages are going to process a procedure differently. So babies are going to be different from toddlers, and toddlers are going to be different from school-age children, and in turn, they're going to be different from teens. Definitely. So let's start in the youngest age group. So there's infants, toddlers. One of the things that I think of is that an infant may need to come to the hospital for something like a MRI or if they have a fever we've talked about before, coming in for a lumbar puncture or other infectious workup with labs, things like that. So how would you recommend we can help to ease pain and anxiety in a very young infant? Infants get most of their comfort from their primary caregiver um, or their caregiver. And as we've talked about before, when a painful procedure is um, going to be done on an infant, depending on the age of the infant, um, there are um, certain strategies that we can use. One of the uh, strategies is using an oral sucrose solution. So it is sugar, essentially a sugar solution that we can use to help babies with painful procedures. And the way we would do this is either put a couple of drops of the sugar solution in the baby's mouth just prior to the procedure or dip a pacifier in this sugar solution and then put it in the baby's mouth if there are babies that use pacifiers. There's been a fair amount of literature that suggests that this works very nicely for babies, and we can use that up to the age of one year. The younger the child, the better it seems to work, but we can use that up to the age of 12 months. Now, we want to be a little bit careful. We don't want to use this all the time, and we don't want to use sugar solution more than you know necessary with painful procedures, but it's a very nice Um, thing to be able to use, for instance, with lumbar punctures with young infants. When those infants are awake, when we do those procedures and are not typically sedated. Breastfeeding, comfort positioning, where the um, child is being held by the caregiver in a comfort position. And if they're getting an IV or a lab, their arm or leg, wherever they're getting that, is out you know, held out um, is very helpful. And then distraction techniques as well. For the older infants and even for toddlers, you can use distraction techniques with toys that have lights. There are some apps um, that uh, you can use um, that have things that are moving or balloons or those kinds of things um, that will help distract the child. And that oftentimes can be very helpful. 
That reminds me of one of my favorite experiences in the emergency room last Christmas when I was taking care of it. He was a little older than this age group that we are talking about now. He was two years old and he came in with a leg injury and all of the providers really wanted to see him walk before they felt comfortable with him going home. And he was just not having it, not happy, refusing. And because it was Christmas time, we had a little Christmas tree in the emergency room with some donated gifts underneath. And I was like, huh, I think I can use this to my advantage. And I I went in and I was like, buddy, do you want to go pick out a Christmas present? And he just jumped off the bed, ran over to the Christmas tree, was so excited. His mom was just thrilled and gave me this huge hug. And she was like, oh my gosh, of course that would work. And um, it was just a really special moment where, you know, that you can use your surroundings, use things that kids find joy out of to make them not only feel comfortable in the situation, but even help you. You know, after that, we were like, okay, comfortable discharge um, from the emergency room. But it was just one of those those really great moments using kid-friendly things to make their experience better. Yeah, the magic and joy of pediatrics. Definitely. And I just want to emphasize um, what Dr. Sherry said about the sucrose solutions. We've talked about sugar previously related to diet and we're like against, you know, sugary sodas and all that. But there's like scientific evidence, well-studied scientific evidence that proves that the sucrose solutions decrease pain with procedures such as IVs and immunizations. And and it's not just like one random study. I mean, there's several studies. So it's really solid evidence that this works. So this is a an excellent use of the, the sugar solutions. I mean, I think we all know that sugar makes us feel better. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's why it's so addicting. But it's great in these specific instances. And just to clarify that we use very small amounts. You know, if we use it correctly, there's actually doses that we use of this sugar solution because we're using it essentially as a type of a medication. So we've touched a little bit about younger children, infants, um, and we've also touched a little bit about older children um, and toddlers and using toys and other things. Is there anything else um, you want to add that we can do to calm the older children? Again, I think distraction techniques are helpful. And for older children, TV is something that they're often watching. Um, in you know, when I come to see a child in a in the hospital, they're often sort of just paying attention to the TV and not me. And we can use that to our advantage because that is um, actually a really good thing if they're distracted and not really paying attention to what it is that's being done. So you can offer them a choice about, you know, do you want to see or would you rather not? And would you like me to tell you exactly when or what is happening? Or do you want to pay attention to your tablet or phone or that sort of thing? And then we'll go ahead and give the immunization. So offering them choices can be very helpful and gives them a little bit of Um, a sense of having some control over the situation um, for older children and teenagers. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, tablets are really increasingly popular where children will watch their videos or the games on the tablets or they'll borrow their parents' smartphone and, and, and use that. It is a really great distraction technique. And specifically for procedures like this, um, I think it can be helpful. It's when it's on all the time 
that it can be tricky. And I know we've talked about this before. So there's always a balance with screens, but using it in a scary situation for a kid where they're getting more of a, a reward from it can be helpful. And as a distraction, it can definitely be helpful. I also want to spend a little bit more time talking about teens because they are such a unique group who I love, as we know, we've talked about before, but they are just coming to terms with who they are. They haven't yet developed the coping mechanisms that we as adults have to understand why I might need to do this procedure, the, the processing skills. And so are there any other helpful techniques? I, one thing that I'm thinking about that we have at UC Davis for admitted kids is a teen group to kind of help talk about what they're going through. What strategies do you use for teenagers specifically? I agree. Their teenagers are in a unique place in their development, and um, you know, oftentimes uh, teenagers, when they're facing procedures, find themselves in this strange place where they feel like they have to be brave and and grit their teeth through it, but yet they're scared and ang- anxious about it, and may not know how to talk about that, and so. I think normalizing that becomes important. So, for instance, one of the things I will ask teenagers is, or I will just say to them, you know, it's really scary to think about going to surgery. I don't know if you're anxious or not, but I would be. Um, you know, what what do you think? And so that way they feel confident and comfortable talking about their anxieties. And then we can potentially really address what their concerns are, which may not be necessarily what we think they're anxious about. And so trying to understand and talk to them about it and really understand where they're coming from um, allows us to then support what their needs are um, at the time, I think, is important. One other technique that you can really use for all age groups outside of infancy is breathing. For instance, uh, we know that we use this uh, practice, breathing, Um, in yoga and mindfulness exercises and those kinds of things. And that is a technique that we can often use to help with anxiety and painful procedures in all age groups. So for the younger kids, blowing bubbles or blowing on a pinwheel or blowing on a paper towel is essentially a way to help them focus on their breath and their breathing. For older children, we can use a technique called belly breathing where They put their hands on their belly and really focus on um, how their belly goes in and out as they take deep breaths. And then for older children and teenagers, really kind of thinking about their breath and focusing on their breath can be helpful. And using the belly breathing technique can be helpful as well. And this takes a little bit more time and may not necessarily be something we can do so much in the outpatient setting. But sometimes, and I've used this with my own children, um, when they are anxious or really upset about something, they tend to breathe hard and breathe heavily. And sometimes I will hold them and and then I will just focus on my breathing and just breathe really um, slowly um, and take deep breaths. And I find that when I do that, then because I'm holding them up against me while I'm doing it, their breathing will also calm down. So there are these techniques that you can use. I'm noticing that I'm taking some deep breaths right 
No. <laughs> Me too. I was like holding my belly in, out, in, out. I think that's a great um, strategy, the holding of the children and, and really focusing on your own breath and centering you for parents to do as well. And that kind of leads me to my next point, which you have touched on a little bit, which is teaching parents to regulate their own emotions. And this can be so hard because your child is the center of your world and any procedure or office visit, or if you as a child didn't like immunizations, that can be scary and it can be really easy to project those feelings on to your child. So I wonder what strategies you have for parents that are entering these scary situations that they themselves can use to kind of check their emotions at the door or kind of prevent them from projecting their feelings onto their child. It's so hard as a parent you have your own experiences, um, you have your worry and anxiety for your child and what they might be going through. And it's a really difficult position to be in. I think, once again, being able to support the parent, recognize where they are, and really try to understand that a lot of their anxiety is just because of their worry for their child and and whatever experience they've had with pain and uh, the medical environment um, in general can be really helpful. So the first thing is, I think, for us to understand where some of these things are coming from with the parent. And then really supporting the parent and acknowledging their anxiety and, again, normalizing it, I think, becomes really important. And then allowing the parent and teaching the parent some techniques Um, similar to what we've talked about here, deep breathing, finding a way to just bring that anxiety down in the moment. And also, I think, really talking with the family to understand what their worries are um, so that you as a medical provider can address their worries. I think sometimes we make a lot of assumptions about what people are worried about um, without actually asking them. And so really trying to elicit that can make a big difference. So today we focused a lot on talking kids and helping kids get through medical procedures. Dr. Jinwala provided us with a lot of information about preparing for things like routine immunizations, developmental strategies for each specific kid, infants, school-aged children, and teenagers— Mm-hmm. And we also talked about different situations, um, routine visits to the doctor, immunizations, things like that, and plus unexpected um, visits like going to the emergency room or having to be in the, the hospital and all the procedures that may occur in, in those situations. Right. There were some specific suggestions such as comfort positioning, breastfeeding, using oral sucrose or sugar water in young babies, and then things like belly breathing, spinning a pinwheel, distractions. These are all amazing things that you as a parent can advocate for, and we as providers need to do a better job of providing in our office settings. Right. And remember, as a parent, you have a huge role to play in comforting your child. So you need to be comfortable, too, and and make sure that your emotions are under control as much as possible, depending on the situation. And don't forget about your child life specialists at the hospital. We really value them. They really have a, a, such an important role to play in terms of comforting and preparing children. 
Right. We want to thank Dr. Sherry Janwala so much for being with us and sharing your expertise today. We all need to learn from you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although Dr. Janwala was our expert guest, any errors or misinformation, that's, that's the responsibility of Dr. Lena and I. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Well, thank you for being on. You know, I couldn't help thinking during this episode, during this discussion, that when I was a child, I was terrified of going to the doctor to get shots. Just terrified. And I I don't know how old I was. I must have been like five or six. But I remember once I went to the doctor. I knew I was going to get a shot. I was crying. I was shaking. I was just so upset. And the nurse was having to hold me. And I was trying to, like, move my arm. And... And the doctor gave me the shot, and I swear it hit the bone. And I, <laughs> I'm and I was sure like, it did. I was so surprised. And I like looked at him and I said, You hit the bone. And he looked at me and he said, Well, you shouldn't have been moving so much. <laughs> and I thought, He's right. I shouldn't have been moving so much. <laughs> oh, man. That is not necessarily the story we all needed to hear, Dr. Dean. <laughs> so reassuring. Well, I got over that. Now now I get my influenza shot or other shots and I don't cry usually. <laughs> and I, and I'm not I'm not trying to jerk my arm away. You do it with a smile as we all do. So the, that's a great story. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at kidsconsidered and Instagram at kidsconsidered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. 